You can never be a good enough father, a good enough husband, Amen. a good enough Christian. You always have to keep working at it. And, yeah. and you ask older guys, and they'll tell you that. It's never too late. Never too late. I don't care what it is. It's never too late to get better at something, to try to do the right thing. And, God, I, I wish, I pray. And, you know, I always said I didn't know how to pray. I knew how to beg. I beg for horses to run faster or my wife to not catch me doing something wrong or business to be good. But I didn't know how to pray and pray for the right things. And the other thing that is misconstrued, I think, is that when your life is in ruins, you're looking for a magic wand. That's why you end up at church or synagogue or GA or AA. or a, You hope that you walk in and bing, everything goes away. You know, it's, it doesn't work like that. So you, you really expect that. So you go in, you're enthused. You have this great enthusiasm, and then you sink deeper. You, you, you go through a really bad period because you realize there is no magic wand. It's now going to take work on your, in your part. So as an observer now, I almost hope that when guys come to Christ, that euphoria only lasts for a short time so they can get to work. That's Bob Sample. He's the guest on today's edition of The Walk. He's got an amazing story to tell. You're going to want to hear it. But first, let's hear from our sponsors of The Walk. My name is Tom Sherman. I'm with Benchmark Mortgage here in Dallas. We're a large privately held mortgage bank here in the Dallas area, actually licensed in about 40 states. And one of the things that makes Benchmark unique is that in a world that has really been disrupted with everything that's occurred in the financial industry in the last several years, Benchmark is a company that really focuses on the stewardship of the client. We want to make sure that we don't just help people get into a mortgage loan. We want to help them make sure that they get into the right mortgage loan that's that's really going to help them get to a better place financially and be better stewards of their resources. Right now, the mortgage market is very, it's very commoditized. The same products, the same rates, the very similar fees from one lender to the next. And what really separates us as a company is our focus on not just getting a loan, but helping the client get the right loan for their needs. Best way to reach me is uh, cell phone, 214-680-1166. Or my email, which is tom.sherman at benchmark.us. My name's Dan Harker. I'm a part of the Harker Five Star Team. Uh, we're with Keller Williams Realty. We help families buy and sell homes. We help investors buy homes. We help people with new construction. We help people sell ranches. We help people buy ranches, not just residential. And we cover the North Dallas, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County areas as a team. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is on my cell phone, which is 214-957-1111, or on my email address, dan at danharker.com. Hey, this is Todd Metton with Wingstop. I am elated and excited to sponsor The Walk with Shivers and Frito. Bringing you the stories of athletes, celebrities, and everyday Christians doing extraordinary things. It's time for The Walk with Frito and Shivers. All right, David, today we're joined by an old friend of mine, uh, probably a new friend of yours. I've known Bob Samble, Bob's Steak and Chop House, for, gosh, 20 years? Yes. Yep. Last seven or eight for me, for sure, through a family member of mine that had a uh, big impact, had a big impact on Bob's life. Let's get right to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bob, we're thankful that you came in. Thanks for being here with us today in studios of Freedom Nation Productions. We're honored to have you with us. And uh, we were visiting a little bit here this afternoon just about how uh, God orchestrated certain events in your life as a young boy growing up Jewish in the Northeast and New York, New Jersey area. 
And then uh, around 2008, coming to a point in your life where you understood and recognized that you couldn't live this life on your own and that things had kind of uh, become a mess. I think just to quote you from earlier, they'd gone in the toilet mm-hmm. and uh, and how uh, God worked things together in order to to bring you to that point where you understood that Jesus was the way and that he was the truth and the life, as John fourteen six says, and that he was your only hope. Yeah, it was, um, you know, at, at such a late age to come to that uh, conclusion is frightening. And um, the only way to get through a frightening experience uh, is is with people that you trust and that you know that if you continue on this path, it's going to get better. And uh, like I said to you before when we were visiting, there's one thing I look back on my old life and those temporary uh, uh, happy experiences were temporary at best. And there and every, every one of my experiences now, when it involves uh, uh, the church and the people involved with the church, um, is a great experience. And it's never been a bad experience. And, and uh, that's kind of the difference. You know, it's great being with Bob here because Bob and I both have old lives. I mean, we all do. Yeah, I do too, believe me. But Bob and I, you know, I I was in my 40s, Bob just recently, and we both knew each other in our prior lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way I knew Bob was through Sports Talk Radio. Bob was an amazing sports fan. Uh, You go to his restaurants and there's sports all over. Yeah. You know, it's a high-class restaurant, but you can go there and watch a game also. Yeah, you know. So and and Bob was was very involved with with the show that I was producing the Norm Hitzka show, and so Bob and I crossed paths before, and we and we're crossing paths now, and it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, sports is always was always a big part of my life as a young kid in the in the Bronx. You know, uh, the old days when your mother said go out and play, you went out and played, and right. you played baseball, basketball, and football. Whatever your friends wanted to Whatever do that day. Whatever your friends played, you played. And now I took to basketball. Basketball was my my sport that I enjoyed the most, and then, and the the heart of my problems was I I'm a compulsive gambler, and so mm-hmm. at a young age of eleven, my dad snuck me into the racetrack. Uh, actually, my mother was uh, very upset with him because he worked seven days a week and never saw me, and I was the youngest of three. So he said, hey, you got to do something with the little one one day. I was called the little one, <laughs> and he he said, okay, I'll take him to the zoo. The Bronx Zoo. So I thought we were going to the zoo. And I said, so... We're going to see some animals. Where are we going? He goes, we'll go to the racetrack. You ever been to the racetrack? I said, no, I've never been to the racetrack. Good. Get to the track. And this is, you had to be 18 to get in. He bribes the guy at the gate, gets us in, gets me a hot dog, a Coke, and we're watching horse racing. I loved it. I mean, I was with my dad. Yeah. And that's what he liked to do. And so it kind of got me started on that road that path unfortunately yeah but i was still a sports fan and uh, you know all through my life i gambled on sports i watched sports and in those days i was an incredibly loyal yankee fan met fan nick fan especially giants jets you listen to the games on the radio all it's all your friends talked about you waited for the newspaper to come out the next day so you can see the scores and you yep. know it was it was a it was much more of a loyalty thing went to 40 yankee games a year lived in the Bronx, uh, went to Met games, all that kind of stuff. So sports was always a huge part of my life. And of course, as my gambling progressed, it was a huge part of my gambling. 
Sure. And when you're a gambler and you're gambling on sports, you become, uh, you know, just you have an incredible thirst for knowledge because you think that's going to give you the edge. An edge, yeah. Uh, and uh, so there wasn't anything I didn't know about sports and where every player came from and what they did and who where I knew where they went to high school and all this kind. So sports always was a huge part. And then when I opened Bob's. Fast forward real quickly. Uh, back in 1993, I moved to Dallas to uh, to open Bob's. I always wanted a masculine restaurant, and a masculine restaurant to me was a restaurant that had sports, something oriented now, towards sports. Yeah, Bob's, sure. like like Frito said, Bob's had TVs everywhere, and the reason was when I went out with one girl who eventually became my wife i would only go to restaurants that had tvs yeah because in those days you couldn't find a score out unless mm-hmm. you watched it on tv or you yeah, waited for yeah. the newspaper so i said if for I you younger a- listeners this was before there was the internet and yeah. social media and twitter and right. scores coming and, across yeah. your phone all and day. there was very few games on tv so you bet the games on tv because you can watch them yeah, and so I would only I would insist uh, to my girlfriend, who later became my wife, that we go to a restaurant that has a TV. So I always said, if I owned a restaurant, it would have TVs, and mm. it did. Bob's had TVs in every room but one, and and uh, I always said because guys need to know the score. I don't think I ever sat in that room that didn't have. The no, TV. you didn't. You and Norm never sat in that room. <laughs> I didn't think you knew it existed. So um, you're rolling. You get Bob's up and going. You. Very successful restaurateur. Yes. Um, listen, I was... The gambling, uh, though, runs amok and yeah, out of control. And, and let me explain it. Gambling is, is you know, the way I've been diagnosed by the many people that have tried to diagnose me and gone to rehab and all these kind of things, I have a, uh, uh, a problem with uh, impulse control. I'm, I'm impulsive uh, in everything I do, and I have trouble, and that's what gambling is. I'm addicted to the action. Right. I'm addicted to the excitement. I, I want to. I, I, I want to take everything to the edge, mm. um, and I still am that way. It's never going to go away. So, uh, when I, I've always been successful in business, uh, but I always work for other people. So back in 1992, I come to Dallas with a friend of mine to whose cousin was playing in the Byron Nelson golfer by the name of Scott Simpson. Actually, won the U.S. Open, and so we come here to watch golf. And my friend, who had a very successful restaurant in Fort Lauderdale, said, you know, I'm, I might want to open a restaurant here. So that night, we go for dinner at the original Del Frisco's on Lemon Avenue. And it's a Tuesday night, and there's a line out the door. Well, huh. I've never seen anything like this. So we go in there. We have dinner. And Dale Wompstead, who was the owner, we had some mutual friends in the meat business. We strike up a conversation. He said, what are you guys doing in town? And Jack says, my friend Jack. And I said, well, you know, Jack has a restaurant in Fort Lauderdale, but he's thinking of one, opening one here. He says, well, your search has ended. I'm moving to Spring Valley in the tollway. Why don't you buy this for me? Yeah. So we start talking with him. Jack ends up being not interested. Well, I end up being interested because I was working for somebody then. Hey, I'd love to move to Dallas and do this. Well, I didn't bother to tell Dell I didn't have any money. <laughs> uh, so it kind of waited to the end and finally talked him into being my partner. And when we first opened, it actually was Bob and Dell's Chop House. And that's kind of a long separate story. And then six months later, actually became Bob's when I finally bought him out. Yeah. Um, but uh, moved to Dallas in 1993, July 19th, 1993, opened Bob's. And it was a, it was a horrible failure in the beginning. Hmm. But, really? Um, yeah. It was, we had nights we did 10 dinners, 11 dinners. I remember walking in the kitchen one night and telling our chef, hey, we got a shot at doing 40 tonight. Him saying, oh, don't worry, I'm ready. And so it was a big deal. So now during that time, 
that compulsiveness, that that competitiveness, that one that drive drove me to make it successful. Yeah. I wouldn't give up. Yep. I did everything I could. I begged, borrowed, stole. I asked. I found out how to get more money. I did everything I could, just like I did when I was gambling when I needed money. Yep. So it actually helped me and preserved the business. And the turning point for me a few years later was two things. D Magazine decided they were going to go out, and there was only 17 steakhouses in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the time. And they decided they were going to go and order the same thing in every restaurant Rankle. and rate them. Yeah. And they rated little old Bob Steak and Chop House number one. Wow. Boom. I'm on the cover of D Magazine. It's crazy. And that was 94, 95? No, probably 95, 96, yeah. somewhere around there. Then Barry Switzer takes over for Jimmy Johnson. Oh, yeah. The first night Barry's in town, he comes to dinner with Steve Hatchell, who was uh, commissioner of the Southwest Conference, then Big 12. Mm-hmm. And Barry and I end up sitting at the bar till one thirty in the morning, talking and drinking. And we became great friends. Yeah. Still are to this day. And he ate at my restaurant five nights a week, six nights a week. So those two things just turned it around. And I turned this little restaurant that was struggling into an $8.5 million restaurant, and then I opened more. And in the meantime... That's when your gambling probably really started to take off. It was never enough, my Mm -hmm. compulsiveness, my needing for action. And then you know what you have to understand is when when you do stuff like that, uh, when you have an addiction, you're sacrificing some part of all or all of your life. Yep. You're either sacrificing your relationship with your wife, your kids, your friends. You're emotionless. Yep. You have you have no soul. You're just a machine, okay? And so that's what I became. And it went on for quite a while and I was very successful at it and mm. I was I was good at that game. And then in 2008, uh, my life came you know tumbling down um i got indicted i got was getting divorced i was bankrupt boom it hit and it was a saturday morning and that friday i was that morning i was on the front page of the dallas morning news and i got a phone call from your father-in-law os hawkins who i had made an acquaintance with back in the early 90s in Florida when he was at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and I was running a country club. So he and saw the paper. He saw the paper and it was 8 o'clock in the morning the and I was already at the restaurant because I couldn't sleep and he said, how's my favorite Jewish guy? And I said, I'm okay. He said, no, you're not. I'll see you in 20 minutes. And he sat with me for an hour and a half and we talked and I spilled my guts as much as I could mm-hmm. that I can get myself to say to him and he listened and he became my best friend that day. And uh, he kept tabs on me. He called mm. me, texted me, whatever he could do to stay in touch with me, to show that there's more to this. Don't give up. Never really telling me that Christ was the answer. He let it take its path. He he just worked his magic. Yeah. He had something inside of him that Christ put in his heart. That you knew you wanted. That that finally penetrated that thick armor I had. Yeah. And I said, I got to do that. And I finally called him up and said to him, hey, I'm ready to go. He said, ready to do what? I said, I'm ready to find out what what the heck makes you like you and makes me like me. And he said, okay, I won't hover over you. I'm going to help you every time you call me and ask me. I'm going to introduce you to people who are going to help me, help you. 
and he did. Wow. And we went down and bought a Bible. And and that was the day you were mentioning earlier that you finally bowed your knee and said, I, I understand yeah. what it is, and I want to receive well, Christ and listen, give him my whole I, heart. Uh, no, I bowed my knees. I, I went to my knees, which I had done many times. Yeah. But I said, I can't do this anymore. Amen. And actually, that previous weekend, I tried to kill myself. Wow. And uh, I failed. <laughs> and mm. I took a whole bunch of pills and uh, just ended up just sleeping really late the next day. And my wife goes to wake me up, and I'm always up early. She knew there's something wrong. She said, what? what? And, I, and I, I woke up, and I thought, wow, heaven looks like my bedroom. <laughs> and then when my wife was standing there, I realized I wasn't in heaven because she didn't die. Yeah. And uh, she said, what did you do? I said, well, I took a bunch of pills. So she called the doctor and the doctor gets on the phone with me. He said, you idiot, you could have took a thousand of those and you wouldn't have died. You just would sleep for a long time. You want to kill yourself, call me up. I'll give you pills, I'll kill yourself. <laughs> and so thank God it didn't work. Yeah. And that was my low point. That yeah. to this day is the lowest point of my life is the day that I try to kill myself uh, because that's the worst. That's, mm -hmm. that's just, it's unbelievable. And so a week later, I just gave in to OS. Yeah. And, um, and he handled it like, man, just like you thought he would. And he guided me and he pushed me and he, he did everything he could, but it took a while. Yeah. It takes a while. It's still in process. Absolutely. I think it's, every it's, one of us that follow uh, Jesus and want to honor the Lord recognize that it's a process and it's uh, a, uh, every day. Yeah. And, and you know, I had some great, great, uh, uh, met such great people who really cared and you and Jack Graham and, and you know, reacquainting with Mark and we started going to Bible study and meeting some good guys there. And the one thing I realized and I think it's a big misconception. Oh, my God, I, I'm going to become religious and I'm mm -hmm. going to go to church. I'm never going to have any fun. Yeah. Well, you know something? I have the best fun. Amen. My fun now is so much better. Yeah, do I still do things I shouldn't do? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yep. I do. I do. I do. But, you know, we I, all do that. I feel bad about them. Mm -hmm. I never felt bad about anything. I was emotionless. Now, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You I what never right cried. I didn't, wrong. I didn't cry at my father's funeral. Yep. And I was just telling you, I cried yesterday at church. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know something? It's, it is something there. It's, 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 you know, the question I always ask from my non-believing friends is, oh, really? Uh, uh, well, you believe in that hocus pocus? I said, wait a minute. Hocus pocus? Look at me. What yeah. did you? I said, what did you just say to me a couple of weeks ago? Hey, man, you've changed. What happened to you? Yeah, that's not hocus pocus. That's nah. evidence that this is real. And that's fantastic when you hear that. When you hear someone Amen. say you've changed. Nothing is. That's they the can't argue with that transformation. The greatest compliment I get now mm. is when people say, hey, you know, you're kind of a different guy now. Yeah. And I said, well, thank you. I really have worked hard. And it's a work in progress. Yeah. I still want to gamble. I sometimes do gamble. I. I I just, yeah. you know, take unnecessarily chances when I do. But you know something? Man, the sun is brighter. The the stars shine brighter. I mean, uh, yeah, do I have relationship problems because of my actions? Yeah. I lost a, a marriage, yeah. you know, hurt a woman. 
Well, you mentioned something earlier talking about just relationships and the impact that a that a transformation in your life can have can have on a man on a, any mm-hmm. any of us as as men. But you were talking about just specific relationships that have been uh, completely made over and transformed. Tell our listeners just a little bit about how. God impressed upon your heart to seek out the forgiveness of your three boys and just that moment in your life. I think that's, that's really powerful. Har- yeah, that's, that's been the hardest thing. You know, they have a mom that I hurt. Uh, I was an unfaithful husband, and which is the worst thing a, a man can do. It is absolutely the worst thing is to cheat on your wife. Hmm. How can you do that? What kind of man are you? But when you're brought up, hey, that's what real men do. You know, they have hmm. a woman on the side and, you know, that's cool. And, yeah. you know, it's just like you hear guys talk and I said this to you before. Oh, I don't cheat on my wife. But when I go to Vegas, I get a prostitute. That's not cheating. Well, hmm. that's the craziest, just the craziest theory in the world. But you just, when you're in that world and you don't have Christ in your heart, that's the way you think. Yeah, That's the way you think. You don't answer to anybody. Right. You don't have any – nobody holds you responsible. And the only authority. person that can hold you responsible is yourself. Any other person doesn't work. You've got to hold yourself responsible, and it's hard to do. So I have to go talk to my boys and explain to them what's happened in my life. I have three sons. Now they're 32, 30, and 28. And, and I, have to, I have to basically you know, just apologize. Yeah. And they listened, and uh, and it was hard for me. It was really hard. I mean, I remember every moment of that conversation. And then uh, they said, well, you know, Dad, my youngest was like the spokesperson. And he says, you know, Ryan and Philip and I have talked about this, and we certainly forgive you. You're our dad, and we love you. And he looked me, and he said, just don't ever lie to us again. Please don't ever lie to us again. And I went, whoa. Yeah, when you're a little boy – and he wasn't a little boy, but he was one day. Looks in you in the eye and says, "Don't lie to us again." Whew, man. Yeah, that's about as gut wrenching as you can get. Yeah, that's a moment right there. You and, won't ever forget that. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, I'm six now. I'm sixty three, and I was baptized in 2012. So I was 58 when I was baptized. Mm-hmm. So I went through 58 years. Being a, a Jew, you know, a Jew, and yeah. like your OS always says, you're always going to be Jewish. Yeah, you're just a Jew that has turned his life over to Jesus Christ. Amen. You're never not Jewish. Yeah, and so just um, completed in Jesus. Just completed, and it's just it's it's just it's a process, and men especially because they're they're kind of turned to as the leaders. Well, how can you be a leader if you're not honest with yourself? How can you? Yeah. And and that's the hardest thing for a man to do because hardworking, hard driving guys can always justify. Uh, it, it, it's okay if I make up a story about why I'm not home tonight and I go out with the guys and we pick up some girls. Or it's okay. It's not. It's not okay. That's a lie. That's right. You didn't directly lie, but you lied. Mm-hmm. You said you had stuff to do that night, but the stuff you did was unacceptable. Yeah. That's a lie. And and you have to kind of break it down that way, mm-hmm. and 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 embrace the other part of it. And again, I want to stress, it's a hard job. I am exhausted by it. Some days mm-hmm. there are some days I get home and I just I just want to go to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon because I've had such a hard day because I want to gamble and I don't want to do the right thing and I struggle with my past. I still owe a lot of money and I owe a lot of I owe a lot of people explanations. 
Yeah. And I'm responsible for my actions now, and it's hard to be responsible for your actions. <laughs> and uh, it's rewarding, yeah. but it's hard. Well, and you yeah. talked about every man answering to himself. You know, I just thought about a couple of scriptures that Paul specifically points to that authority mm-hmm. and who really, as men, when we're called to lead, we're to lead under the authority of Jesus's head over us, his authority in our life. And Galatians 2.20, Paul says that, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. He says, I'm so identified now with Jesus as my Savior. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So when you're tired, and I know Mark and myself, we can all identify with long days that are hard and difficult and just full of challenges. But it's on those days when we when we press in and when we lean in and we, we let go and say, Jesus, we can't do this on our own. Mm-hmm. And that we need your power. We need your strength. We need more and more of you and, and, and the filling of your Holy Spirit uh, to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, uh, um, I have a journal that I keep, and I should have brought it with me today. And, and what it is is just little short little snippets of, of, of psalms of things that – I've heard Jack say and OS say and you say and mm-hmm. and anybody who even in Bible study I I, I uh, interesting story about Bible study uh, Jack Graham said to me hey you need to start going to Bible study so I started going and I hated it because <laughs> it was just a bunch of ministers I, I mean I always felt it was just a smaller group than church and yeah. it really he says so what do you want to do and I said well I, I just think it needs to be my kind of guys guys that are a little messed up. Yeah, uh, and so he said, "Well, start your own." So I started my own, and I that got sounds a, like something exact. I can see him saying that. You know yeah, what? Just start your own. Do it yourself. So yeah, with yeah. the help of Chris Kuba and Neil Jeffrey, um, I started one when you had the Dallas campus. Yeah, and it was a bunch of kind of businessmen guys who had not really done the right thing. Right, a couple of them been to jail. A uh, bunch of, I think everybody in the room has been divorced. Um, and so um, it was an interesting group. Yeah. And um, and so that group has kind of been, we, we kind of kept it going. And some weeks there's four people and some weeks there's 12. But it's a group of guys that meet every Wednesday for lunch. We have a Jimmy John sandwich and we sit there for an hour and 15, 12, 20 minutes. And we just, uh, uh, Ron Haynes, Chris Kuba's father-in-law, kind of, Runs it for me because he has the most uh, knowledge, uh, knowledge yeah. of, the, of of Christ and all of us. So he kind of picks a passage or a part of the Bible or a psalm, and that's the topic for the day. And then we sit there and say, "How does this apply to our everyday lives?" And it's and pretty open discussion. Absolutely, I, got, I did that with you. Got, with it's a hundred percent open discussion. Yeah, and there are so many times that. Later in the day, you'll get a text or an email from one of the guys. Say, "Wow, I was just thinking about what we talked about today," and mm. and you're right, and 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 that, that's what Bible study is to me. That's that's what carries you, that's, yeah. that's really that's cool stuff. Well, I mean, for for years and years, decades, you probably struggled. You know, you struggled with your demons, and there's probably part of you that thought, "Well, other people don't go through these problems. Other people, you know, this is just me." Well, I didn't care about other people. Well, that's true too. Yeah, I couldn't care less. But, you know, what, what I've learned to hang out with these guys is everyone struggles Everybody. with something. Yep. Everybody. Now, you got to remember, I ran a high-end restaurant. So all these rich, famous people come in. 
Mm-hmm. And they're the people that, man, I wish I could be that guy. Or I wish, boy, that guy's guy, he's a billionaire. Yeah. Or, that guy owns that team. And you look at them and you think they and have then, the but perfect I know, life. I know what they act like when they got a couple of drinks in them. And let me tell you something. I would never do this. Yeah. But if I ever wrote a book, they got problems. Yeah. Okay. And, and God forbid, I hope no one writes a book about me. But, um, you know, you got to understand everybody. It is absolutely 100% true. If anybody who says, you know, uh, money isn't everything, it's because they've, they've never had money. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that money thing that the people that don't have it, they think, all I need, just get me a million dollars. Yeah, and then I'll be fine. And everything will be fine. That's no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. So yeah. I've seen that, and I know that doesn't work that way. And and then I've, you know, you see the guy in the kitchen who's uh, working his uh, tail off every day, making $12, $14 an hour, and he's the happiest guy you ever met in your life. Yeah. Nice to everybody and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you, the more the more you're out there, the more you realize it, and the more you realize that um, the 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 reason we're all here mm-hmm. and the reason why we can is 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 simple. It's really it's really simple. Now, doing it <laughs> is yeah. hard. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you know, knowing it, God, following God, honoring Jesus. Uh, it's not easy. Now, I didn't it's under I, easy, listen for as sure. a Jew. I didn't understand. I thought Jesus was God. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the whole. He was God's son, and the, I didn't understand the crucifixion, and I didn't understand a lot of things. And so, kind of, I needed to get all that cleared sure. up. Yeah. And then once it got it cleared, and I kind of understood it, then I kind of saw. It. And like I told you and Mark before, I have learned more about the Jewish religion. Uh, Going to church. Going to church than I did at the old Williamsbridge Jewish Center in the Bronx. It was an Orthodox Jewish center that my we belonged to with a lot of old rabbis who spoke nothing but Hebrew, and it was not a welcoming not a place for a little experience. kid, yeah, yeah. especially for a little kid who wanted to yeah. play basketball and not go to Hebrew <laughs> school. You know, because Hebrew school was always after school, uh. so. I had to go to Hebrew school to get ready for my bar mitzvah instead of going out and playing ball with my friends. See, my problem, and you and I talked about yeah. this at the Ranger game, my problem with Hebrew school, David, yeah. was that it was on Sunday morning and it coincided with the Tom Landry show. <laughs> ah, and so yeah. I couldn't watch the Tom Landry show. <laughs> yeah. A couple of fellow, fellow struggles for the young yeah. Jewish boys. Yeah, yeah. So shifting gears real quick, um, God, there's another great story about your baptism. Tell them real quick on April 1st, 2012, being baptized at Prestonwood by Dr. Hawkins and how that correlated to a significant event in your past. When Jack, uh, I was having coffee with Jack Graham one morning and he said, you got to get baptized. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm ready. And I was kind of hesitant because it's a big commitment. And I'm really going publicly and saying, now I'm public. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's bad. And so he <laughs> said, okay, step. we're going to get OS on the phone and you're going to schedule this thing. So he gets OS on the speakerphone and when can you do it? Well, I can't do it next Sunday, but I can do it the following Sunday. What's the date? April 1st. So I'm driving home and obviously April Fool's, everybody knows that. But I'm, wait a minute. I was bar mitzvahed on April 1st, 1967. And on April 1st, 2012, I was baptized. Forty forty seven, I say forty. Forty seven, I thought uh, sixty five to twelve. Yeah, yeah. sixty seven to twelve. Yeah, forty five years later, on that same day, wow, I was baptized. Now, 
That gives me goosebumps. Uh, when I called OS and Jack and told them they flipped out, that was the greatest coincidence known to me. I mean, if that isn't a message. Yeah. Well, that's I'm a sovereignty you. of God. Yeah. And, and as being He's a gambler, you always look for those little messages. And, uh, <laughs> to me, that was a message. <laughs> that's the Lord's affirmation for sure. He is sovereign. So switching gears really quickly, tell us about you have a son who was a really good golfer that I actually used to play basketball with down in the Park Cities yeah. after uh, after school down at Highland Park, who's now, who became a golfer at SMU, bounced around some of the mini tours, and now is a, yeah, is Mark, a caddy. Mark uh, Mark's my youngest. My my oldest played the cross. My middle son played baseball. And Mark, being he was small, he wasn't he was very big, and he loved basketball. He loved he basketball. He loved basketball and baseball. Yeah. And then one day we were hitting golf balls. At Dallas National, and the pro said to him, hey, Mark, uh, you play golf? He said, no, not really. You play baseball and basketball. He said, well, you should play golf. And two weeks later, he came to me, and he said, hey, Dad, do you mind if I quit baseball? I said, well, well, okay. What do you want to do? He said, I want to play golf. And so he dedicated himself to try to make the freshman team at Highland Park High School, where he was going, and he made it. He was the last kid picked at the team. Yeah, I mean, the, a really big the last kid school. pick. The last kid that the coach took, he was the last name on the list, and uh, and there's a funny story with that. So I'll kind of get back to it in a minute. But so he went to Highland Park, played on three state championship high school teams, but wasn't a great player. He wants to go to college. He's got good grades, yep. and he he knew he had no scholarship offers, and so he said he's going to walk on. And the coach at SMU heard that and who knew me and said, hey, you heard your boy's going to walk on. Where's he going? I said, well, he's thinking of going to Arkansas. He said, well, that, hey, let him try SMU. His grades are good. So he walked on to SMU, earned a scholarship. Oh, really? Played I there. Know that. Yeah, okay. earned a scholarship. How about uh, that? Had a pretty decent college career. Made, played in the USAM twice. You know, but wasn't good enough to be a pro. Mm-hmm. And he knew it. But one of his friends, uh, uh, Kevin Tway, who played at Oklahoma State, uh, was going on tour and asked Mark to caddy for him. So he's been on Kevin's back for the last four years, and they've had their ups and downs. Had but catching fire late, you were but saying. But catching fire late, went over a million two this year, and, and it's turned into a really nice little deal for Mark. He loves the game of golf. He loves being around golf. He works his butt off. He's done a great job for Kevin. Kevin has been loyal to him mm. uh, and has taken good care of him even when he wasn't making money. And Mark has done what he had to do, and and uh, he just loves being out there. So I, I listen. You got to do what you love. Amen. And as much as I would, you know, my kids aren't money driven like I am. None of them are gamblers. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And but I'm real proud of him. I'm real proud of all my sons. They're they're good kids who who, you know, they 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 did what they had to do with their dad. What was the going back to the last name on the list? What oh, was the yeah. Rest of that so story? he tries out. He tries out for the Highland Park golf team as a freshman. And the way they do it is after the tryouts yeah. at five o'clock, the coach posts the list of kids who made it on his on his door of his office. We lived across the street from the high school. Mark goes over there, comes back home, runs in the house, runs upstairs, slams his door, and he is crying Man. his eyes out. You hear him in there go, <laughs> you know, that kind of crying. What's the matter? I didn't make it. And he's just just absolutely beside himself. Well, that yeah. phone rings at the house. And I answer, it's Coach Lloyd. He said, Bob, Coach Lloyd, listen, I made a terrible mistake. Oh, I left Mark's name off the list. No he made way. it. He was the last kid to make it. 
Huh. So I go knock on a door and I said, Mark, Coach Lloyd's on the phone. What do you mean? He said, well, he, you made it. Did you pay him to do that? I said, no, I didn't pay him to do that. Yeah. He wants to talk to you. So Mark gets on the phone. He still you know, can't still, breathe. Yeah. He's still crying his eyes out. He made the yeah. team, and that started his golf career. Oh, that's great. Isn't that a great story? I would have great. asked that same question, though. Yeah. Great story. I identify a lot with what you try to do with your men, men's groups and 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 those leadership deals and bringing guys to talk because uh, real men – can't get enough of that yeah you can never be a good enough father a good enough husband Amen. a good enough christian you always have to keep working at it and yeah. and you ask older guys and they'll tell you that it's never too late never too late yeah you can be on your i don't care what it is it's never too late to get better at something to try to do the right thing Amen. and and god i i wish i pray and you know i I don't know if I mentioned it, but you know, you talk about praying, and I always said I didn't know how to pray. I knew how to beg. Yeah, I begged for horses to run faster, or my wife to not catch me doing something wrong, or business to be good. But I didn't pray. For, I didn't know how to pray and pray for the right things and pray in advance and not, uh, you know. And the other thing that is misconstrued, I think, is that I, you know, you when you're in a when your life is in ruins. You're looking for a magic wand, okay? Mm -hmm. That's why you end up at church or synagogue or GA or AA or a, you hope that you walk in and bing, everything goes away. You know, it's, it, it doesn't work like that. So you, you really expect that. So you go in, you're enthused. You have this great enthusiasm and then you sink deeper. You, you, you go through a really bad period because you realize – no one, no one. There is no magic wand. It's now going to take work on your, in your part, and that's yeah. when the work kicks in. So, as an observer now, I almost hope that when guys come come to Christ, that euphoria only lasts for a short time, so they can get to work. Yeah. yeah. Well, and toward that end, we got something awesome coming up at Presswood in August, the twenty second, at uh, six p.m. Mark, along with Jesse Holly and Justin Forsett, we're going to do a special. Uh, night uh, for a kickoff of fantasy football where we're going to have some barbecue, bring men in, we'll have a testimony and just have some insiders and a panel of guests that will help uh, give guys some information on uh, getting ready for fantasy football. We know that's a big deal for guys and just an easy way to, to connect men uh, together around some good food and hopefully encourage them in their walk. And that is a great event. Had a blast doing it last year. Look forward to doing it again this year. And I want to thank Bob Sample for joining us on today's edition of The Walk. He has a story to tell that, that's probably not an easy story to tell, but he tells it in such a great manner. And it's a great story for people that are struggling to know that it's never too late to change your life. I want to thank Bob again. And, and if you were wondering, Bob is now at Trinity Groves, that great restaurant development just west of downtown Dallas. You go across that, that bridge on the Trinity, and then there's that restaurant development, Trinity Groves. It has like 12 restaurants. It's a great place to go. You should take your family there and enjoy an amazing meal. And I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast and tune in to the next edition of The Walk.